listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joya. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are so excited and humbled that you have carved out 25, 35 minutes and change to study God's word with us. For those of you who are joining for the very first time, we are in the middle of a series on gratitude and thanksgiving. How many of you know that Thanksgiving isn't just a Thursday in November? It is a lifestyle And when you study God's word, you see that God has a lot to say about Thanksgiving. And so our flagship scripture, the one that we've been using all throughout this study, is 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and it says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How many of us have heard, I'm just looking for the will of God in this situation. I'm just looking for the will of God in regards to my career, in regards to my relationship. Well, the will of God is to give God thanks. And it's also important to highlight in that scripture, it says, in everything, give thanks. Not for everything. We live in a fallen world, and there are things that are going to come against us. There is a very present uh, enemy. Not that we should shrink back in fear, but he is going to come against what he is threatened by. So we are going to be uh, face trials and tribulations and adversity in this life. And we don't necessarily give thanks for those attacks, but we can give God thanks in the midst of those things. And what it actually does is it shifts our perspective from that obstacle onto the faithfulness of God. Because if we're not giving God thanks, then we, we tend to make um, that the object of our eye and we make it bigger than it actually is. But when we're in the midst of the trial and we can give God thanks, we remember, okay, that our God is bigger than anything that the enemy or the world can mount against us. So this is a very important principle. We're not just preaching and teaching on this because it's Thanksgiving. This is the lifestyle for the believer. And last week, we talked about uh, the difference between complaining and gratitude. I I shared, I think, nine different scriptures on complaining alone, and that didn't even scratch the surface. The Bible has a ton to say about complaining. Quite simply, God hates it. Why? Because complaining is communicating to God, you know what? I don't really like the way that you're doing things right now. And and, and if I were in your shoes, I'd probably be doing them differently. What an audacious and bold claim. None of us would make that, but that's what complaining does. We also went on, it darkens our hearts. And so we want to avoid it at all costs. And um, as we were highlighting the opposite of complaining, which is gratitude, we came across um, that gratitude is sharing in the divine nature of God. We go back to the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. God created the sun, the moon, the stars, the universe, water, earth, the creeping things that crawl on, and then he created man, and he paused, okay? And in Genesis 1.31, it says, then God looked over all that he made, so he stopped, He took the time to look over all that he made and he saw, he took all of this in and he saw that it was very good. So God was expressing gratitude 
in what he had created. And we are to share in that, to take time to pause and to be grateful. Um, and so I, wa- I want to kick off from there. That's kind of a, like a, a recap, the cliff notes of what we've been studying. And I want to continue to explore this idea of expressing gratitude, of giving God thanks, and how in our microwave society where we're all super busy and we all want things super fast, um, we can make a danger of, of putting this off to the side or even being casual about it. Okay, and so there's a story in Luke's gospel, uh, and um, there are these 10 lepers, and Jesus comes in contact with them. First of all, that's a sermon all in itself, okay? Lepers were marginalized. They were put outside of the city. Leprosy was very, very, very contagious, and so they didn't have, they had to leave their friends. They had to leave their family. They had to leave their home. They even had to leave the city and be on the outskirts of the city, and the, and the only companionship they would have was one another, because if you already have leprosy, you're not going to be able to pass the leprosy to the other person that has leprosy. Um, so they would they would gather together, and most people would would stay, you know, very, uh, would stay far away from them, give them a wide berth in, in crossing. But here's Jesus, and he comes upon these 10 lepers, okay? And we're going to pick up in this story. It says um, that the lepers cried out because they had heard the murmurings and the rumors that this Jesus could heal. So they saw Jesus and they're like, hey man, this is our one shot. We're gonna go ahead and take it. And they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Notice they all said that. The Bible says when he saw them, Jesus, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And that when they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, so I'm kind of paraphrasing the story. One of them when he saw that he was healed, okay, he turned back, praising God with a loud, loud voice. And he fell at Jesus' feet, giving Jesus thanks for what he had done. So, so here, are the, here are all of the lepers. They're crying out, um, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, go to the, go to the Pharisees and, you know, show them that you are the priests, rather, and show them that you're healed. And as they're walking... They recognize that something's different. Oh my gosh, like we're healed, right? But instead of all of them turning around and running back and going, Jesus, thank you so much, only one uh, returned. He yelled in a loud voice and then he fell at Jesus' feet, giving God thanks. The question in this story is, what happened to the other nine? Where are they? Was no one found in that group uh, to, to give God praise? Why didn't they return? Okay, so one, one of the things you have to understand about lepers is, again, going back to this, they lived in isolation. They lived away from their family. Whatever career path they had, whatever gifting that they had, all of that was null and void. This was their new life uh, being ostracized um, from society. And so they had given up a lot. And in that moment, we can only, you know, use conjecture, okay? But in that moment, they realized, hey, there's that girlfriend that I had to leave or that wife that I had to leave. I can go back and see my parents, that career, that gift. I was, I'm an amazing artist. I can go pursue that. And so it's not that they weren't thankful that they were healed, okay? But... Um, they, they, they made the grave mistake, and this is what I want you to hear, that they elevated the blessing above the one who brought the blessing. 
They did not express their gratitude towards the one that brought the healing. Yeah, they were grateful that they no longer had to live on the outcasts of society and they wanted to run and return back to that life. They were probably grateful for that, but they did not express their gratitude to the one that gave it. How many of us, here's the question, are grateful for the blessings, but ignore the one who gives them? Sure, we're celebrating when we get the promotion, but are we expressing gratitude towards God? Sure, we're grateful for the healing, but are we praising God? And you can even take this beyond God. You know, are we grateful when somebody steps into our life and provides something? Maybe they, they, somebody, a mentor, took the opportunity to be able to, you know, really pour into us. So we're grateful for the skill sets that we now possess. Did we thank them? Or are we just grateful for what we got? Remember last week, we, we shared the quote from Jean Baptiste Massou, and it says, gratitude is the memory of the heart. These, these, these lepers, they forgot Jesus in their newfound health. They forgot Jesus in the midst of their blessing. So the, the question has to be asked, Memory can be forgotten. If gratitude is memory of the heart, memory can be forgotten. So we must take the time to remember. And as I was studying out this word uh, to, to excavate gratitude, we have to take the time to remember, okay? Or we'll just keep on going through life, getting, 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 and never remembering all the things that we have to be grateful for. And that's many of us, okay, in this microwave society, in this fast pace where everybody's schedules are completely filled out, filled out, we live in that kind of lifestyle, intentionally or unintentionally. And so the way that we access this gratitude, that we excavate this gratitude in the heart is by remembering. And as I researched this word remember, this is so fascinating, I came across the Hebrew definition. And the Hebrew definite word for remember is zakar in this particular instance. And it says this, to remember, okay, so obviously, to bring someone to mind and act on their behalf. So we would define remember as to bring someone or something to mind. Remember, right? But zakar, this Hebrew word, took the definition a little bit further and says, and to act on their or that behalf. That doesn't translate into the English language. That's not what remember means to us, but to a Hebrew man, okay, to a Jewish man, this is what remembering meant. And so now you can help wrap your mind around that gratitude is in the heart, but is also to be expressed. We must remember the memories in our heart, but we then must give and express that gratitude towards the one that made it possible. Such a powerful word. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about remembering. You know, the Israelites missed out on a lot of opportunities um, because they forgot who God was, and they also forgot what God had done. So instead of what should have been a short journey 
from Egypt to the promised land turned out to be 40 years wandering around. And essentially, it's not their land navigation skills. It's because they forgot who God was and they forgot what God had done. So when they faced a new obstacle, instead of going to God, instead of recounting and rejoicing in what God had already done for them, they panicked, or they complained, or they murmured. See, we spend a lot of time thinking about the future, thinking about the things that are hitting us in the moment and where we're going, and it's wise to do so, but, but often we forget to take the time to look back to see how far we've come to see the faithfulness of God that at one point where I'm standing today was a prayer request from few, a few years ago. And when I, when I take the time to remember that, it helps gird my faith to believe God for the next step. See, how do we exercise gratitude? The answer is found in Philippians, okay? The Bible says in Philippians 4.4, this is out of the English Standard Version, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So who wrote these words? Paul, okay? So Paul wrote this book of Philippians, or it's not a book, he wrote it, these are letters to the Philippian church, okay? So Paul was imprisoned. He was facing possible execution. He had been shipwrecked, stoned, beaten, and that was just from his enemies. Many in the faith were actually distancing themselves from Paul, preaching out of selfish ambition, pride, and deceit. So it appeared as if everything that Paul had going for him was now in jeopardy. Yet in that prison cell, he discovered something where he highlights in particular joy over six or 16 times. And here in Philippians 4.4, he's giving us this, this, this revelation, rejoice in the Lord always. He's in prison, facing execution. Everybody's abandoned him. And again, I say rejoice. So he doubles down on it. I flipped my phone. He not, he not only said rejoice in the Lord always. He said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, in other words, like you have to get this. Have you ever tried to communicate something to somebody? You're like, hey, you need to go uh, try Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I've had chicken before. No, 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 dude. I'm telling you. Go try Chick-fil-A. You have to try Chick-fil-A. I'm not even a Chick-fil-A fan, but I mean, like, I can respect the game, okay? But I mean, if you really believe in something, you're going to double down on it. Paul is doubling down on rejoicing. So we need to make sure that we understand what he's trying to communicate, especially knowing where he's at in his life, in this prison cell, when it appears in the natural that he has absolutely nothing to rejoice in. But before we go any further, we have to define what, is, what does rejoice even mean? What, what does that name mean? Well, re is a, is a prefix. Joy. To take joy, it means to repeat. To take joy in the things that God has already done for you. So in other words, to remember, to feed on those things, to look back and remember all those times God's promises came true in your life and to give him praise and to give him thanks and to celebrate those moments. And by doing that, 
your eyes drift off of your current circumstance. Again, we're not, we're not denying our circumstance. We're not denying that Paul was in prison. We're just not being defined by them. Paul, the, the idea is Paul had been shipwrecked before. He had been in prison before. He had been beaten before. This was not going to break him. But if he only focused on the fact that he was in prison, he, he, met, he, he, makes a, he makes the problem or the adversity too large, okay? And so by rejoicing, he's remembering and he's feeding on the faithfulness of God. And let's be honest, this is probably the last thing in the world Paul felt like doing, but we don't live by feelings, we live by truth. And so this is a commandment for us. This is Paul giving us these words, this treasure that in the midst of whatever you're going through, give God thanks, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So this thanksgiving, rejoicing, gratitude is what elevates us above the circumstances of the natural. In fact, the word rejoice is found 257 times in Scripture. So God is trying to communicate something to us. See, giving thanks positions our hearts towards God and to receive joy. And you know, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's an access point to that strength. When we're feeling weak and we don't feel like giving thanks, when we don't feel like expressing gratitude, when we don't feel like rejoicing, is the very moment that we should. And then we're not relying on our natural strength, we're relying on His strength. Psalm 103.2 says this, may I never forget the good things he does for me. That's what the lepers did. They forgot. Yeah, they knew that they were blessed. They knew that they were healed. It's just that they reveled in that healing more than going back and thanking the one who healed them. They, weren't, they didn't forget that they were healed. They forgot the one that healed them. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. In fact, that's why this story is in scripture, okay? This is a real life account. And it's a powerful reminder that as we believe God for things and the faithfulness of God rings true, that we can get lost in the thing, in the blessing, and elevated above the one, the blesser, <laughs> the one who's blessing us. See, remembering is a way of jumpstarting our faith and recounting the one uh, that that has begun a good work in us and that he's faithful to complete it. Uh, I think I've shared this before, but I'm a PK. Uh, I'm a preacher's kid. My dad uh, was a preacher, still is a preacher. And, uh, you know, I remember him uh, growing up. He used to, uh, whenever my brother and I were just kind of had a bad attitude or we were complaining or, or whatever, he used to sing this song that they used to sing. It was a hymn, okay, back in the day. Uh, powerful preacher, my dad, but could not carry a note for the life of him. But he used to sing this song, count your blessings, count them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. Maybe I can't carry a note either, but there's a powerful truth in that song. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to count your blessings and, and to name them? You ever notice how easy it is um, to list our problems? I mean, we do it almost on a daily basis. And if you need a little bit more evidence, pull up social media and scroll for 
30 seconds. And I promise you, you will come across somebody inside of your community that is just listing all of their problems. Can't believe Starbucks was closed today. Can't believe that I'm going through this. Can't believe that I had to do this. Can't believe that I had to do that. We all have a list of the things that we're complaining about. It's very, very simple. But when you press on somebody and just say, hey, give me a list of like some of the things that you're grateful for, you'll find people start to scratch their head. Yeah, maybe they'll be able to throw out that, you know, I'm grateful for my family, I'm grateful for my food, you know, food, which you should be grateful for. But then they'll start to spin their tires when they get to about six or seven. But I mean, they can list their problems forever. Got 99 problems, but a blessing ain't one. They cannot list their blessings. And so that paints a picture um, that we have, we have difficulty in this world that our minds are more prone, as we talked about complaining, it opens up our pathways to make it simpler and easier to complain. And we have to kind of like reroute those pathways towards gratitude, towards thanksgiving, and towards rejoicing. So it's not like a, a knee-jerk reaction. Um, Benjamin Franklin said this, who is rich? He that rejoices in his portion. You know, the Bible in Philippians, you know, Paul is rejoicing in the Lord. Um, but I want to highlight something. He's also rejoicing in people. Okay? Now, <laughs> now you may say like, hey, because, well, let me just share this. Because of their, not in, he's, he's rejoicing in people, but he's rejoicing because of the gospel partnership, and he urges them to complete um, that joy. Because he says... Okay, I want to read this to you so you, say, so you know that I'm not taking this out of context. Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown that I receive for my work. So here is Paul saying that he longs to see these people who he's writing the letter to because they are his joy. And then he even goes on to say his crown. Now rejoicing in other people, it may seem like a shift from a God-centered life. It almost may seem like idolatrous, like you're putting humanity in the place of God, but that is not what he is doing. We rejoice in God's people for Christ's sake, celebrating the work that they have done and the work that God has done in them, is doing in them, and will continue to do in them. And so it's very, very important that we rejoice in the relationships we have, that we give thanks for the relationships that we have, that we give, we express gratitude. Yes, most importantly to God, we should be thanking God. We should be rejoicing in God. We should be expressing gratitude to God. But remember, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord thy God with all thy mind, soul, strength, and body. But to what the second is likened to love thy neighbor as thyself, on which all the other commandments hang. And so we are to be thankful for the relationships, express gratitude, rejoice in the relationships that we have. What the heck does that look like? Oh, this is what, well, what did Paul do? Paul, in that prison, he didn't have access to Wi-Fi, but he had access to a pen and paper. And so he TikToked it, he tweeted it, he uh, posted it, 
and what he, the means that he had available. I do believe that if Paul had social media available to him, he would have thrown it up on that medium. Why? He was expressing, he had to express his joy, his gratitude, and his thanksgiving for those that were outside of the four walls of that prison. He could not contain himself. And so we are to follow in the shoes or sandals of Paul by giving thanks, most importantly, again, to God, but also to those around us. So let me, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you. I'm gonna push on you a little bit. As we approach Thanksgiving this week, what would it look like if we took this Thanksgiving to next Thanksgiving, okay? And every single day, rejoiced, expressed gratitude, and gave thanks for somebody in our life, like Paul did it. But that, what does that mean? It means sending them a text. It means sending them an email. It means giving them a call. It means giving them a shout out on social media. Every single day, one person. I'm not talking about like, having, like being fake and, and, and having this become rote. But I bet there are a bunch of people in your life that you have kind of drug your feet in thanking. You know, maybe it was, I'll give you an example. I ran into a teacher the other day. Um, I hadn't seen her forever. She was like, I don't know, my 11th grade, what is that, junior? A junior high school teacher, okay? So I moved back to Maine, I saw her, and I haven't talked to her in a lot of years. I'm not gonna tell you how many, but in a lot, a lot of years. And so, I thanked her. I thanked her for the investment that she made in my life. I, I, I thanked her uh, for what she poured, the correction that she brought and the encouragement that she brought. And so the mindset is this, look for somebody every single day that you could just send, you know, I'm gonna send a, I'm gonna send a text message to my soccer coach. I'm gonna send an email to my old uh, dorm buddy. I'm gonna send, uh, you know, I'm gonna give a social media shout out to, you know, one of my boys um, from Charlie Company, third and the 502nd. Um, whoever it is, you're gonna do that. And by doing that, all right, you're, you're, you're bringing joy into their life too. You're magnifying God in the midst of that because when everything is negative, when you turn on the news and it's all complaining, when you're, when you're giving God thanks, when you're rejoicing, it literally changes the atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere for the people on the other end that are receiving it, and it changes the atmosphere for you, but it also changes the atmosphere for everybody that's witnessing it. Because unfortunately, it's not common practice. But what if you were to cultivate this discipline that, yes, I use the word discipline, may be a discipline at first, I believe will turn into a delight. It will turn into something that you long for. It'll turn into something that you look forward to. And it'll turn it, it it'll begin to change the way that you see the world. And it's the best way, rejoicing, gratitude, and thanksgiving, okay, to keep anxiety, fear, depression, worry at bay. And so I challenge you with thinking of somebody, but inviting the Holy Spirit into it, Lord, who could I highlight today? Who could I thank today? Who could I give, you know, rejoice for today? And then to send that tweet, to send that post, whatever it is, every single day. Thanksgiving is the goal. 
but really you should do it for the rest of your life. Let us be a people, let us be a church that is marked by rejoicing, gratitude, and thanksgiving. Thank you so much for being with us. I can't wait to see you next time. Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.